because at that time you sort of learn about the culture. It's very important, I feel, to Assyrian people to keep their culture together because they don't have a country. You don't want to lose any of that vibrancy, you know? Hello everyone, Adessa here, and it's so good to be back into the groove of things with the Assyrian Podcast for episode 163. During the break, I was reflecting on the types of topics I wanted to bring to light. Today's episode topic on marrying into the Assyrian culture has been one I've always been curious about. What is the experience of someone who is an Assyrian and marries an Assyrian? I was thankful that my friends Nick, Itsushi, Lundy, Celia, and Dylan were all up for the conversation. We reflected on their diverse perspectives and experiences together and talked about the joys but also challenges in their relationships along the way. I do want to acknowledge that their experiences are theirs and don't necessarily reflect the experience of everyone else who has dated or married an Assyrian. I hope this episode opens your heart and mind, allows you to see perspectives you may not have considered before, and the richness, the depth, and the meaning that can come when we expand our understanding of what it means when we welcome people into our community. This episode is sponsored by the Oshana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California? John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a little bit more by checking out their website, theoshanapartners.com. That's O-U-S-H-A-N-A. Now, without further ado... Here's a roundtable about marrying into the Assyrian culture. We'll start out first by everybody introducing themselves. So name, background in terms of like your heritage or ethnicity, and then how long you've been married to your Assyrian partner. My name is Nick Kosterman. I am of Dutch descent, but I'm Canadian. My dad was born here. I was born here. And I've been married for, I think, just over three years now. Yeah, my name is Atsushi. I'm from Japan. I've been married to uh, Yvette from 2005. We got married, so 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Landy Uash, and I'm South African. I've been married to Michael going on 18 years this July. Wow. My name is Celia. I am Guatemalan, and I've been married to Isho for four years. Uh, my name is Dylan Abrukobern. Um My family's uh, from Portugal, and my dad's side is from Scotland, and we've been married about three years. Nice. How did you and your Assyrian partner first meet? While I was in university, I was working part-time at a uh, computer repair store, and Yvette was a cashier there, and uh, she actually ended up becoming Employee of the Month, her first (laughs) month there, (laughs) so they promoted her to customer service, and so I started talking to her, and, and that was 10 years ago, believe it or not. It's been quite a long time. Wow. I did not know that story. <laughs> it's actually all about yourself. I met Yvette when we were in Japan, actually. One day, I just I was playing baseball in the States. Just came up one day, and I met uh, with my friend. And Yvette was coming home. Apparently that day, she was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so she was walking around nighttime. Uh, in Japan, there's somebody had a nice goldfish tank outside. So she just went to see the house, goldfish, and came back. But looked like she got lost when I was coming home. I was a little bit drunk, too. So I don't usually talk to anyone on the street, but, you know, just by chance, she was she got lost or something. So I was just talking to her, just ask her. 
if she got lost, she needed help or something, and then just a conversation started. And it happened to be she was living across my parents' house, and we started just meeting, you know, once in a while, and then just like going serious, I guess. And how, how long how long was Yvette living in Japan at that time for? Uh, she was in Japan at the time of six months. Okay. That's why I'm here. Wow. It's fate. It's fate. It is fate. (laughs) How about yourself, Wendy? I met Michael on a bus in South Africa. I was on my way home from work. I had missed my usual bus that I would take home. So I was not normally on this bus. Uh, It was the last bus out of the city center. And he got on the bus with a colleague. And I saw him. And yeah. few days later I saw him on my morning bus and <laughs> basically um, started chatting and here we are wow. <laughs> and what and what was Michael doing in South Africa oh Michael was um, he how was long at, was he there for um, at this point I think he was there for about seven eight months and he was working at the provincial um, legislature over there so Actually, sorry to go back to Sushi. What was Yvette doing in Japan? She was teaching English at the time. Okay, very cool. So I met Isho on my 18th birthday in 2007. I was having friends over, and I had become very close with another Assyrian and invited him to my birthday. And he called me and he said, Is it okay if I bring a couple friends? They're really nice guys. And I remember thinking, Oh man, like, <laughs> I really just wanted my really close friends, but fine, <laughs> you can bring your friends. And so um, Isha showed up with two of his friends. My friend uh, Mish came in and introduced me to Isha, and I was like, oh, okay, hi, cool, come in. And Isha kind of hung out in the corner by himself, being the shy type that he is. And I just remember thinking, like, there's something so kind-looking about this guy, so usually don't really go out of my way to talk to someone I hardly knew. But the next day, I guess he had requested from his friend my contact information on MSN at the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we, were, we started messaging on MSN. And then the very next day, we went to our mutual friend's soccer game together and hung out every weekend since then. A little bit of hiccups in the middle, but uh, yeah, that's nice. how I met Michelle. Uh, I met Romy actually 10 years ago this March at uh, the weekend's, uh, one of his first concerts he ever performed at McMaster University before he was preparing for Coachella. And it was through a mutual Assyrian friend who really thought I would uh, hit it off with one of his Assyrian friends. <laughs> but the truth be told, I was taken at the time. So uh, when Romy and I met, it was purely platonic. So we had a really great rapport, and I found her to be super uh, warm and friendly and engaging, and we both loved music. So we we bonded over music, and then a year passed, and finally we started talking, and we've been together ever since. Nice. Very cool to hear that. I'd love for you all to talk about what your first impression of the Assyrian culture has been. What was your first impression? (laughs) I didn't know anything about Assyrians. Um, obviously, when I met Michael, I went home and I told my mom. My mom and I were really close. I told my mom, I met this guy and he's Assyrian. And she goes, wait, wait, Assyrian? And I go, yeah, that's what he said. What is that? And she, because my mom knew Assyrians from like the Bible. Oh, okay. And so, and even um, her brother, my uncle, 
And so that I was like, oh, okay, cool. Obviously still knew nothing about it. Michael being Michael, uh, just like, um, he didn't share, not, not that he didn't share much, but like he was just a Syrian and that was it. And take and leave it. Uh, so that was basically my first impression of a Syrian culture. Until I came to Canada after we were married. We got married in South Africa. And after we got married, we came here. Mm-hmm. And his family had like a reception. But showing up at the airport, he, he said it was just his parents and maybe his sister that would be there. And when the doors of the air, the security was opening and closing, there's a lot of people out. And I was like, okay, there's people coming to see their people. And as we came out through the door, there was this massive, just like really shrill sound of just like out of nowhere. <laughs> and this whole mass of people started moving along with us down the ramp. And I'm like, what is happening? And he goes, oh, that's my family. I'm like, what? <laughs> going on? You so, open the gates and here's was, this yeah, huge, this my oldest, big fat Assyrian family. that was my family. introduction <laughs> into the Assyrian. <laughs> was like, so, so nice. it, was, it was really interesting and, and very overwhelming at first, but it, it was heartwarming, kind of like just feeling that. So. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and the one thing that kind of struck me when I first like started to meet Yvette's family was really how family orientated everybody was. Mm-hmm. Like I come from a large family, but what I thought was a large family until I met <laughs> large families. <laughs> but no, it was very family orientated. Uh, like they hang out every week. Uh, they see it's very odd to not like go over and see my in-laws like once a week at least. Mm-hmm. Whereas with my family, like my sister lives you know in Milton, my other sister lives in Etobicoke, and then I haven't seen my cousins in since like two, three years now. Oh, and for reference, Milton Etobicoke are maybe like 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, it's all within the, the GTA area. Yeah. So that was one of the things that kind of struck me was really just how, like how family was first and family was like one of the most important kind of elements, you know, in the family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think because before I met Isha, I had friends that were Syrian and I didn't know much about the culture at that time, obviously, but I do remember thinking like, you know, they stick together. Mm -hmm. Like uh, they were always a group that were together and I remember they always look good. (laughs) (laughs) So um, like I went to high school with a few of the girls and they always had really nice makeup and uh, all that sort of thing. And that was the first impression, like a very surface level. But then on meeting Isho's family, you do get that sense. I'll, I 100% agree with you, like very family oriented. Family is number one. And I think that's what really sort of um, solidified the fact that Isho and I were on the same page was that we both really do put our families first. And I hadn't seen that so much just in my own group of friends, not to the level where I was with my brothers and sisters and my parents all the time. You know, we're all helping each other all the time. And when I saw that in Isha's family, I said, like, wow, that's really amazing. And it's really something that's culture deep. It's Mm -hmm. not just on the family level. It's really you see that in Assyrians. Mm -hmm. 
my first impression was from history books because okay. I'm a history buff and from visits to the museums. So um, you knew about Assyrians before you met. I, I did, okay. but truth be told, I I didn't realize that Assyrians still existed mm-hmm. in terms of language mm-hmm. and culture until I met that friend in university. Um, and then my first exposure to modern Assyrian culture was the Aksu Gala in 2013 and the dancing and the food and, and all of it. And I wasn't overwhelmed at all. I was actually uh, really excited by how uh, vibrant it was and how warm everybody was towards towards me. I nice. felt very welcome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Actually, I'm the same too. I mean, I, I grew up in Japan. Japan is pretty, you know, it's an island. I don't get to see many, I guess, the foreigners. Mm-hmm. So uh, first time seeing you know, a city, and I I learned from the grade school, and it's the same as Dylan too. I saw a city and the history. I didn't think it still existed. It was kind of nice to see, and you know meet someone from a long time about ancient mm-hmm. people and then the culture culture wise uh nick too uh, i agree with you it's very family oriented even though i'm total stranger to them i guess they know they never seen japanese people but still they try to be uh, mm-hmm. accommodating trying to make home you know so each time whenever you go to the house they always share food that's mm-hmm. something that so, interesting to me like mm-hmm. they only have one thing on a plate but they still offer you fast mm-hmm. do you want mm-hmm. this one mm-hmm. so it's really kind, yeah, family-oriented, and you get to know them more and more. I think it's feel like really a family, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice culture. I guess that uh, we have a country, but Syria and not have a country, so it's really mm-hmm. stuck together mm-hmm. to keep that, you know, that's how the uh, Syrian culture is going and keeping the Syrian identity kind of going, so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm curious what your experience was when your partner told their family about you and what that experience was like? Um, on my end, you know, I didn't really f- feel an- anything negative, but you do feel just on your own end, like, oh, how are, what are they going to think? Because at that time, you sort of learn about the culture. It's very important, I feel, to Assyrian people to keep their culture together because they don't have a country you don't want to lose any of that vibrancy you know so it was nerve-wracking on Mm -hmm. my end and I think the family does hesitate just a little bit but once they realize that you two are committed to each other and you're going to be family like Isha's mom always says to me like you're a Syrian like Mm -hmm. it's welcoming you know what I mean like your husband is a Syrian, you're welcomed into our family, you're a part of our family, and that makes you a Syrian too. And it's a really beautiful thing. It's it's heartwarming, for sure. So just, I mean, being, when Michael and I met, we were in South Africa, and most of our relationship in the beginning, before we were married, well, was all... I didn't. I hadn't met any of his family, mm-hmm. and so when he told his family that he's met someone and this is the direction it's going, we it was kind of like sort of a toss up, and I think mostly because of the same thing that Salia said, where um, they're not sure if they are losing, mm-hmm. and that's just a terrible thing. To, but like just like that person yeah and so there was a little bit of hesitancy at first but once everybody realized the outpouring was 
wonderful. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we got married in South Africa and we had, I still have all the copies of the emails that we received Aww. from his family saying they're super excited. To... So you never had a chance to meet the family vice versa no, until didn't. after you got married I and didn't. moved here. Wow. Yeah, we, 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 I only met his family like the week after we got married. Wow. His sister though did, um, his uh, one sister came, her and her husband, uh, they came, they were at our wedding in South Africa and she met my family and was immersed in all of that. Mm-hmm. So you were taking a big so... chance when you were coming here too because you're like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you... Like, yeah. What's going to happen? Whatever happens, will happen. Yeah. Um, I had him. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, and so it just, it was, yes, I, I had no exposure. I had no... Like, and, and as I said, I did not know who these people were. Mm-hmm. I didn't know my mom. Mm-hmm. And just like a lot of people were like, oh, Assyrians, are they still around? <laughs> are they still a thing? <laughs> so she, she knew about that. But yes, just once it was settled, yes, you're together. He is, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, the family was just really, mm-hmm. and not just the family, but the community in general. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had wonderful experiences with Assyrian at the functions and the events mm-hmm. and and all of this with family and friends. Um, just it's it has been a wonderful experience mm-hmm. um, once it was going. Yeah. yeah. so I think I was fortunate in that one of Romy's siblings had already married outside the culture so I think uh, there was already a precedent set in the family but she paved the path she did (laughs) Um, so I have to say there was zero resistance that being said I think Romy was still a little cautious so I met individual members of the family piecemeal over the course of years uh, the dad being last because that was sort of the big, yeah. the big hurrah. Um, and he was very, very loving. He he has a big personality, so I think he wanted to make a bit of a show of it, um, being the last to know. But they welcomed me like a, one of their sons, and there's never been any sort of resistance from Romy's family at all. So um, I'm really appreciative of that. I think with Romy though, because she's probably the most Assyrian. Of all of her siblings, there was a bit of surprise that she would marry outside mm-hmm. the culture and that there was some fear that maybe uh, that would be lost. And if anything, uh, it strengthened her identity. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, I encourage her to embrace it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, and Sushi, how about yourself? I think a bit different. So I met, I came to Canada with Yvette 19 years ago. So it's, it's a long time ago. I think they are still dating, you know, Syrians are dating outside the city and and also Yvette's parents left Iraq. So they were, and then they were really hard working in church. And so they are trying to have, I think that they are hoping that Yvette will find the Syrian guy. Mm-hmm. And then instead, as she back, you know, brought it back from Japan, Japanese guy, they weren't expected. <laughs> so they were so nice, but I think they were hard for them to accept. Uh, yeah. And it took a little time. And actually we got money, we were okay, but still, you know, it's not, uh, there was some hesitancy. Yeah, his dance, his dance. But once we had a daughter, Shimsha, everything changed. Mm. That moment, we're not existent almost. Yeah. <laughs> so All eyes on Shimsha. <laughs> we had grandkids because, you know, we are the first one to give them a grandkid. Mm. So they were really loving and yeah. you know, we named the Shimsha too, so they were very <laughs> right. happy. So yeah. yeah. little ray of light. Yeah. 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 I've, um, I've actually heard that a lot, that... Sometimes people who have married um, someone that isn't Assyrian, 
that sometimes the family hadn't always been so warm or inviting, but as soon as they had a child, then like everything completely changed. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. You're, you're not the first person to tell me that. Uh, how about you, Nick? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because, so, I mean, I grew up white, so we never, like, I never really had a cultural identity, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm entirely honest. Like, I'm mm-hmm. Dutch, mm-hmm. but the most cultural that I have is really food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's no real traditions mm-hmm. that we would practice at home. So it was really interesting when I started dating Yvette, where we were kind of under the radar, right? Like, most people don't tell their parents when they're dating mm-hmm. yeah. until they have their mishmata or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had been dating for... I think almost three years, and then Yvette was we were getting serious, and she was like, "Okay, I got to tell my parents." So uh, she remembers the day she was going there. Her parents were in the backyard, and she just like she had to tell them, and she told her sisters and brothers she was going to tell them, and she's like bursting into tears, and her parents like, "What's going on?" She's like, "I'm seeing someone, and he's white," and they're like, "Okay, and." Right? Like, and so and then she was she like all the kind of her fears washed away right? mm-hmm. and so they talked about me and the first time I actually met them it was funny because I had met her sisters and her brother prior to this the first time I met them was when she graduated university so like she was gonna come out there we're at the like University of Waterloo and then amphitheater or whatever and I had to hold like five seats because they were running late and so I'm like trying to block all these people from coming in and, like, like no they're I got, coming trust there's me there's a coat coming. on one there's like a shoe over here but it was really nice it came in and at the beginning it was it was probably a little bit harder because their their English wasn't as good as it is now but throughout the years like their, their English has gotten a lot better and I've learned some you know gotcha phrases here and there. <laughs> <laughs> you throw in some Assyrian words here and there what was or has been the biggest challenge in being with your Assyrian partner? The biggest challenge is as a culture, and I think especially in the older generation, so like in-laws have certain expectations of their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So not even that, like it's it was okay that Isha and I were together and we're building this life together, but I think the expectation is, you're a Syrian now, you really are a Syrian now to them in their eyes. And I think sometimes it can be overlooked that someone's coming into a relationship with their own identity as well and their own expectations from their older generations. And so that can be tough sometimes to reconcile. Like, I'm Guatemalan. So in the Latin culture, it's mostly the woman doesn't lead the family, but sort of the family grows in that direction. As the woman and having children, you're the one really teaching your kid, usually, Mm -hmm. in like the stereotypical family portrait, the woman is home and she's teaching her children and she's cooking for her children. And and so the expectation on my side is, well, they'll go to church wherever the mom is going to church and they'll eat whatever the mom is cooking. And when you're part of an Assyrian family, the church is a big part of the culture. Weddings, doing weddings the Assyrian way, it, Assyrians are, it's a very wedding-centered culture <laughs> as well, you know? So there's a lot of things when you have the pressures of two cultures that have their ways of doing things, it can be hard to reconcile, like, we'll do this this way and we'll do that that mm-hmm. without someone sort of having something to say. Mm-hmm. That can be tough. But, I mean, when you're with your person, 
you find a way to get through that sort of stuff. You, there's compromises that have to be made all the time. I was going to say, like, what are some ways that you and Isha have tried to work through that where you're, like, balancing or respecting yeah. kind of both cultures? To be honest, with in my culture, the church is a big part of it. Uh, we're, ca- we're Roman Catholic. And so a lot of our traditions center around the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And so... The expectation is, well, you're the bride. Mm. The wedding will be at your church. Mm. Well, he's the groom in the Assyrian culture, and the wedding should be at his church. Mm. So to me, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I'm going to receive God's blessing in this church, that church, or another church. You know what I mean? So we compromised on that and sort of made my parents happy saying, like, Someday, if we're blessed with children, then then maybe we can baptize our child in my church. Mm -hmm. So we'll have that celebration in my church. And we've had our wedding celebration in Isho's church. And that's the way it's gone so far. Um, But it's tough sometimes trying to explain to both sides, you know, like we're compromising and we're happy to do this for each other. And you guys sort of need to be happy with the decisions that we make because expectations are heavy Mm -hmm. a lot of the time on both sides Mm -hmm. so yeah we've done that we got married in his church we've baptized our son in our church we've had another son so we'll see (laughs) what happens but um so the biggest challenge marrying my Assyrian partner is being married to and a Syrian activist, mm. just what he's done and what we've had to sacrifice um, throughout the years. And it's been hard, uh, but, and our sacrifices, there are people out there that are, that are sacrificing so much more. So we have to compare what mm. we've, what we've had to, but that was just something that from the very beginning of our relationship it has been a challenge to put um, it in perspective for some listeners that may not know what have been some uh, uh, sacrifices well so <laughs> right out of the starting gates uh, we were engaged and uh, some stuff had come up and he basically spiraled out and he was going to cancel everything I have to do this because Assyrians need me to do this for them and I was like it's not your role. We don't have to. It doesn't have to be this or that. Mm-hmm. And we've basically had to just, at that point, to talk about the fact that this is who you are. Uh, being an Assyrian is a big part of who he is and what he does. And just accept that, okay, I know this because it is part of who you are. And I am with you because of who you are. Uh, and so just, we had to, I had to <laughs> talk him off the ledge. <laughs> and, and he, for him too, to just realize that I can do all these things. And of course, just have the support of a partner that is going to understand that, yes, there are times where we can't do what we want to do. And because this is more important. Also, just because I know this is important to him, I understand this. And because it's so important to him and who he is, and it is important to us. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. nice. Yeah. So. There are challenges like that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, the challenge will be uh, what's, I, I guess, the event and then her uh, parents are very mutanaya. So I'm coming from Japan and, you know, I'm not Christian. So uh, in order to get married to Yvette, the condition was I need to convert to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that was a, I'm okay with it because in Japan, it's, uh, religious is not really a big happy thing. Mm-hmm. You go to a shrine in New Year, which is a Shinto, and it's something, you know, somebody passed away, you go to temple, which is mm-hmm. the uh, Buddhism. So we have a mix of believe and it's more convenient, like happy things, I think that's the only thing that, you know, uh, we uh, practice our, I guess, religion. So uh, it was not hard for me to come back. My parents had a hard time because they didn't think I'm going to be going to the foreign country and then converting and then marrying someone. So that was the biggest thing. But yeah, I got baptized at our Syrian church and then we got married. So that was the, uh, I guess, the big, not biggest challenge, but something that we had to go through. But I'm curious to know, have your parents, I mean, I, I can imagine now it's been years. Have they um, warmed up to it? Have they accepted your life here? And and now that you guys have, you know, many children. Yeah, they met Yvette when we were in Japan. So they know Yvette. They loved Yvette. So they didn't have a hard time. Uh, I think the only thing is just we're far away and you know, it's not easy for them mm-hmm. to come here. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, you know, gone back here as a family. So that's mm-hmm. the hard part. But yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, can't think of anything. Okay. <laughs> like, there wasn't anything that was challenging. No, no. I mean, the first time I had pacha was probably, <laughs> probably interesting. <laughs> but, you know, with enough lemon and sumac. You know, it's pretty good. That's hilarious. <laughs> favorite. But, I uh, cannot do it <laughs> no, I cannot get no. used to pacha. I, I, mean, I really I like bombar. The mayore. Right? Yeah. I can eat the I can't mm-hmm. eat the casing. Mm-hmm. But I can I'll be honest, the, I haven't had it. For the record, I haven't had pacha. No? What? No, I have not. And I will not, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring you a takeout container with some. No, 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 no. I no, can't. it's a big Con, deal. That's a I big know, deal at Easter <laughs> and Christmas and that's oh, yeah. so funny. But yeah. uh but no, I can't honestly think of anything I mean they like say before like um I didn't really have a defined cultural identity, so for me, I was kind of assimilated pretty easily into the Assyrian culture. Mm-hmm. And you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, so same kind of thing. Like most mm-hmm. of the holidays are the same. And, you know, church for Assyrians is a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> like my Catholic mass was like 40 minutes. Yeah. So um, a little bit different in that regard. But otherwise, it's been it's been great. Like um, I've been welcomed into the family. You know, like I have two sisters on my side, but now I've got two more. So mm-hmm. And I mean, if anything, I'm closer with my uh, my sisters on my in laws side <laughs> than I am with my my own family. So I can imagine the language, maybe a little bit. I mean, like um, I'll just call him Baba. So like uh, my father in law, his Which English. You do is a, call him Baba. I call him Baba. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I call my father in law Baba Nono. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I found like um, his English has gotten a lot better, uh, and I help him out with stuff all the time. So like stuff with his truck or like at work. Or, like, help them. They did some renovations at their house and stuff like that. So, like, I've always been hands-on. So, like, that was really nice that I'm able to help them with, with those kinds of things wherever I can. Mm. And, yeah, like, uh, uh, my mom, my mother-in-law, I'm saying her English is better, I would say, than Bob's. But, yeah, otherwise it's been, you know, it's been great. No complaints. Too many weddings. <laughs> but, uh, it's expensive. This year is going to be insane. Yeah. 
But in general, though. I think we've got like eight weddings so far this year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's always fun to go and dance Shehani and Bogota. I just learned how to do Shehani. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so fun. Like, it really is. The Assyrian culture is such a fun culture. Like, Assyrians know how to party for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, the way that I grew up, it's very family-centered. We didn't... I know there is, like, this, a big Spanish community, but just for my parents, they just sort of chose... We are just a close-knit, small unit. So, getting with Isho and meeting his family, and sometimes I feel like I've now become part of, like, the most Assyrian family that I've ever met. <laughs> There's so many events all the time, you know what I mean? And so many family get-togethers. And it on, it is such a, there's no other way to put it, like a vibrant culture. Mm-hmm. And you hear about all the things that Assyrians have gone through. And you think, this culture is so strong. It's such a strong group of people that they've been able to continue all of their traditions the way that they have, it's pretty amazing to think about for as long as they have. And sometimes I feel like I, I know more about that than I do, like, my own sometimes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, like, I, without going to events, like, the past two years, I found myself missing hearing the music. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. As loud as it can be. Yeah. <laughs> it's right in your ear. <laughs> Dylan, I didn't want to miss you. Dan. Yeah. So religion as well, I think, is the challenge. In my case, it's a little bit different in that. So I grew up Roman Catholic, but I became non-religious in my mm-hmm. adult life. So very early on, Romy and I had a conversation about that because I knew how important it was both to her and to her identity and her family as well. Mm-hmm. So we came up with sort of some compromises very early on to set expectations. So, for example, we would get married by an Assyrian priest, but it wouldn't be in a church. It would be outside. Which is exactly what you did. Which is exactly <laughs> what we did. Um, our child would be baptized, but whether or not they went to Catholic school would depend on w- which school was best in our area. Mm. And then as far as that conversation goes when they're older, um, the freedom for them to choose what they want to do and not be sort of uh, indoctrinated at home. And so those are the kind of things that we came up with and uh, so that hasn't really been a challenge because she's been on board completely with that. Mm. But that's probably the only thing that we really differ on. Mm. And I feel like that's a very um, respectable balance. And it, I commend you both for having those kind of conversations so early on because I could imagine had you tried to, you know, dust yeah. that or put it under the rug and, and try to deal with it later, it that could be, it could be catch it can get messy. Yeah. So. Yeah. You all decided to handle it from the get-go. and Yeah, it was definitely a shock, I think, for her at first. And she was worried about how her parents would take it. Mind you, I'm pretty good at blending in. And <laughs> I, I do know what I'm doing. So, like, I, you know, I know the sacraments. I know the prayers. So, and I'm not, you know, uh, trying to uh, change anybody's mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just trying to live, live my best life. Yeah, yeah. And I want our family to do the same. Yeah. To, to go along with that, how have different parts of your identity, whether it be ethnicity or faith or anything else, had an impact when you were dating and now married? Um, as far as cultural, we were a very, same as Nick, didn't have as big, had a big-ish family, not as big mm. as Assyrian. And we there are some crossovers and similarities. It's just the closeness with 
the family and always seeing your your family and, and being really close with them. Um, so that too was, it was easy enough to get all of that incorporated because from both sides, there is that similarity where we have cousins close with cousins and aunts and uncles and, and, and all the relatives are, are close by. So it was, it was easy enough to do. And, and, and also Michael and I were not big, not that we're not big on traditions, but just in, in our family, there's, there's nothing that like, okay, so this is happening mm. and this is how we're going to do these traditions, these cultures. And then so it's like just all very, just go with the flow mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it was easy enough to do just because we, Oh, goodness, I'm the kind of person that can. My mom always said that I have a very roaming spirit <laughs> because I can just as easily have been wherever mm. and never really had culture shock mm. when I came from South Africa to Canada, mm. except for the cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Anybody, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Coming from South Africa, where um, like a spring, a beautiful spring day is considered winter in South Africa. So um other than that, um I didn't have culture shock when I when I went when I moved here. And and likewise Michael when he went to South Africa, he lived there all that time. There wasn't really anything because he also found that it was very much uh family oriented and and everybody was just kind of Warm, welcome, open. Come, come, come. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like with raising a family, there has been components from your heritage that you have brought forth within the family in um, addition to the Assyrian? Uh, so it's mostly the food. Hmm. And my kids didn't know <laughs> until they, the, the big girls went to South Africa, went to South Africa just a few years back. And when they were there, they were like, oh, what is this? You've never made this for us before. Why don't you do these things? And so since then, there's been more pressure from them. But also just uh, little things like we back home do a very big, especially for girls, do a very big 21st birthday. It's like we don't do Sweet 16, and, mm-hmm. but 21st birthday is done really big like very similar to like a, a yeah. yeah is there a significance and to 21 yeah so you basically that's when yeah. you are considered an, an adult mm. and you sort of like come out mm. and it's like the big fancy dress and the big party and all the family and the friends and everybody you know and so my my uh, girls have said that when they turn 21, they want to go back and mm. do that there because they don't do it here. That's um, nice. And so I was like, okay, that sounds like fun because they've seen my pictures and videos and stuff from when I had it and heard from the cousins, oh, this is what's happening. So that was basically just with the kids. It, it, it all highlights with the kids and and all the little things you don't always think that they're important but they do when when your kids are interested in it mm-hmm. and and then they show an interest like okay so maybe we should start doing this and mm-hmm. and at times you don't realize that they're picking up on stuff where you don't think it's anything like we hadn't with all of this pandemic mess obviously not had anything going and sometime a few months sometime in last year 
my youngest kids were in my room and they were just lying there and they're talking about oh family cousins and whatever and weddings and and they were listening to music and some way in the playlist and a Syrian song came up and they all jumped up and I was like wow. mommy where's those jingly cloths <laughs> <laughs> get the jingly cloth <laughs> and we had ourselves a little, a little party dancing at the upstairs landing down the stairs with the, the yalachiate and um, it was fun so just the kids have basically been the ones that have pushed us into mm-hmm. highlighting certain, or at least like highlighted the important things for us and it's so important for us too kind of carry that on with them and especially the Assyrian things um, just because we feel that it's it's important that it carries on I mean they'll always be South Africa they can yeah. always go back there and they can always connect with it's that much harder to go back to Assyria and and do that despite the fact that they've they've all or at least majority of my kids have thought that yes there is an Assyria when they had to do a country's project for school mm. like what doing Assyria the teachers are like oh, <laughs> no and yes there is pull up your Google there's Assyria this is Assyria and so it's important for us to to with the Assyrians mm. I mean we're not all that great <laughs> but we try <laughs> you're wonderful you're wonderful it's sushi how has how has your Japanese side shown up in your family and especially with raising kids? I think we didn't have any challenge because in a way, kind of, we gained both sides of culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the Syrian culture, which mm-hmm. is something new to me. Mm-hmm. But actually, uh, you do a little study. Actually, Syrians are influenced in Japan for a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So there's a little connection too. It's kind of yeah. interesting to see mm-hmm. there's a relationship in a long time ago. Wow. So there's a little bit of connection there too. So when you go to the temple, there's a Syrian lighting that you can find. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's kind of cool too. Uh, yeah. And then Yvette's side too. Uh, they gain like you know, Japanese side of culture. We actually both like parties in Japan's. You know, everybody thinks they're working hard always, but yeah, we do work hard. <laughs> but we know how to have fun in a way. So yeah. Yeah. there was lots of festival and in Syrian too. There were lots of festivals. So we took the good side of the both culture. Yeah. And nice. have fun. The kids too. Uh, yeah, they take the so balls. Nice. Have fun. It's a bit completely uh, different food too, so it's it's a fun to have variety of things that actually add to our life. So mm-hmm. you all talked about some of the things that you appreciate about the Assyrian culture, such as the closeness, importance on family. Is there any other parts that you, if I were to ask the question, what do you appreciate about the Assyrian culture that um, hasn't been discussed? There's a lot. There's a, <laughs> like, uh, well, I guess I mentioned it already. You guys get together. There's so many events so often. It's such a nice thing to do. Like, just being together, you see it. You you see the strength of everyone as a community. It's crazy because established communities, I feel like, like, established as in, I mean, like, nations like the Serbian community, the Croatian community, I don't feel like their presence is as strong as when you're in with the Assyrian community. Mm. I don't know if I'm getting my point across. It just, it feels like such um, like a strong sense of togetherness. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm. The events I appreciate. 
a lot just because it's fun to get together and dress up. Everyone does their best to look their best <laughs> at Assyrian events and that sort of stuff. It's like little things that you appreciate about it, not so much the big things as like the church or the family. Those things are amazing too, but it's the small thing, the fun things. Their music is awesome. It's something that I remember going to my first Assyrian party and thinking like, this is a little bit crazy. Like <laughs> everyone is dancing in unison and it's just kind of nuts. And I was like, how like, and it's full blast and it goes all night. And I was like, I don't know how they don't get sick of this. Cause it's kind of, but then you come into it and it's like something you can't be without after you've experienced it. Yeah. For me, Going to other weddings is pretty boring in comparison. Yeah. I, I almost only ever look forward to Syrian weddings for that reason. <laughs> um, but I think going back to what you were saying earlier, I think a good word to use for Assyrians is that they're very resilient. Mm. And I appreciate that. And I know there's been a lot of suffering in their history, but their resolve and their ability to stick together and to push on and to continue to fight for whether it be nationhood or an identity, I think is really admirable. You know, I think as a Canadian, I take a lot of that stuff for granted. So when I was exposed to that, I it made me uh, really appreciate what they're fighting for. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something I really admire about Assyrians. Yeah, I think you said exactly what I was trying to put together and I couldn't say. Is yeah, they are so resilient. It's the pride that you feel from every Assyrian that they're together and they're still here it's so like you don't see that in anyone else like he said umtanaya like there's so many assyrian umtanaya like everyone is so proud of their culture and they're not scared to show it off and that's like amazing to see because you don't see that in other communities you know what i mean yeah this is an observation one thing i've noticed is once you like can understand like assyrian or surah You'll walk around, and then you can differ- like, differentiate between people take- speaking Arabic and the yeah. people speaking Surah. So we're walking through the mall, and I'll hear it. I'm like, Eva, Eva, Suraya. So it's 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 amazing how many Assyrians there are. Yeah. Like uh, you don't realize when you first meet, you're like, oh, it's a small group, and then you don't yeah. realize like they're everywhere. They're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> The most fascinating thing about about Assyrians for me has always been, and I think it speaks to that resilience and co- being connected. Everybody's related. Yeah, <laughs> they find a way. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, cousin and the and and people that like their grand grand great grandparents were neighbors, and they mm-hmm. they're trying to the explain this to you. And it's yeah. like, and your uncle married her cousin, and they and it's like, like how wait, do wait, they all keep track? I'm a cousin. It. So my yeah. my first uh, my first Assyrian convention in. 2005 Boston we showed up and I was expecting my first at the time and we showed up at the hotel checked in and we had to escape upstairs because there was a lot of commotion and I was a bit cranky and we had just traveled on a long road trip and and so we we were up in the room settled down got dressed we had to go back downstairs because there was something happening and I, at the end of the evening, I was like, dude, you never told me you have so much family. <laughs> and Michael goes, what are you talking about? I was like, 
this person came and they're your cousin and that person. And because we would walk and every few steps, someone came up to me and introduced themselves. And I was like, yeah, I'm his cousin, his mother's cousin, his father's cousin, this one, relatives. And so it was just, are you really related to everybody? But I feel like it is just that connectivity where everybody is somehow looking it's like looking yeah. to be a part of and that that is is great <laughs> and it sometimes is um it, it's funny but but it, it was kind of cool yeah how it's like oh you're a cousin everybody's a cousin yeah going back a little bit you all had mentioned that in in some way shape or form when you eventually had met the family they either were immediately warmed up to you or it might have taken a little bit of time but they eventually warmed up have you had the experience from others outside of the family in terms of any comments or judgment placed on your partner as a result of them marrying somebody that wasn't Assyrian and what has that what was that experience like or what is that experience like if that's something you still deal with? <laughs> Isha and I talk about it all the time. Uh, Isha's family is just very active in the Assyrian community, I feel. And when we talk, even like myself thinking about it, of all of Isha's siblings, they're, they're all partnered off except for the youngest. Isha's kids are mixed, so they're half Assyrian, half Guatemalan. And it blows our minds. Like, we can't believe that your kids are not fully Assyrian. Like, it's, I don't know where it comes from, but it's like, he can't believe that he married, he himself married out of the cult. I can't even believe. Do you, I don't know how to explain what so it is. So that's interesting. So both of you are yeah. shocked by that. Yeah, it's like. Power of love. (laughs) (laughs) Explain it. Like, all the kids are raised to be, like, proud to be part of Zoa and, you know, like, Suraya. And then I think, are my kids going to be different or feel different because they're mixed? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember even before I had my kids, I had a little bit of a thing where I thought, are they going to... I shouldn't have ever felt it, but it did cross my mind. Are they going to be as loved as the grandchildren that are full Assyrian? Like, are they gonna, or are they gonna feel maybe something different because they're not fully Assyrian? And my in-laws adore my sons, and their cousins adore them. They like it's a bond. It's crazy to see their bond when you see them all together. But there is like. Because they're so Assyrian, it's crazy to think that they've let in, they fully let in a different culture. Mm. Isho even said the other day, he was like, they were all talking about something had happened in the news and it was a Guatemalan. And Isho mentioned like, hey, my kids are half Guatemalan. And it was like a funny thing. It's just crazy to think. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. You're so assimilated into it after so many years that it's like you truly you take it on what have other people's experiences been the community has been great <laughs> we've we've um just in terms of 
our kids being around Assyrians. They've never had any experiences where they themselves have felt. I mean, in as much as kids can be a little bit strange, they haven't had any experience where they felt like they were being treated different Mm. because they looked different Mm. or they were not or they were South African Syrians. Did you ever worry about that with um, your kids? So when I was um, expecting eldest, my uncle... um, he, I, I had made a joke saying, yeah, there's two and a half of us. And he said, don't say that. And I was like, what did I say? And he goes, your child is a full child. Mm-hmm. So don't half. Mm-hmm. And so we've always, we've taken from being a two and a half. Even with our kids, we've taken it to, and, and kind of moved it to Assyrian. So they are fully South African and mm-hmm. they are fully Assyrian. Mm-hmm. So they don't think of themselves as half. half, half. Yeah. And so in doing so, we haven't really ever considered, oh, this is something that is it should be and oh they they always were just and they they too have they will say, What what are you? I'm Assyrian. I'm South African mm-hmm. and Canadian because mm-hmm. <laughs> they were all born here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a hodgepodge, mm-hmm. but they, that, well, it seems to have kind of taken that concern oh, away yeah. where they are. They just are mm-hmm. all Assyrian and mm-hmm. all. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, That's so nice. Yeah. So. That's something that I really hope for my children is that they can be fully part of both cultures like I expect my children to grow up to be as proud as their uncles are and their dad is when they're out dancing on that dance floor and they're like just going at it I expect my kids to be there with their uncles and their cousins and then I hope that they can find that too on my side you know what I mean sometimes it feels though like, I need to work to make sure that my kids know my side as well. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. because I'm so immersed in the Assyrian culture now as well with my husband. I feel like sometimes I forget a little bit of my own identity, like, uh, like uh, ethnic identity, and I forget to bring that in too. And so I hope, like, I know my kids are going to be proud Assyrians, I hope that they'll be proud Guatemalans as well. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Just because, yeah, my family isn't, they, they don't really have a presence that way. They're like grandma and papa and aunts and uncles, but not, we don't really talk about this is the Guatemalan tradition. It just mm-hmm. sort of happens. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll be that thing like Lundy said, and the older that they get, they pick up on certain things that yeah. you think is like, you know, second yeah. nature. Yeah. And then That's what curiosities yeah. spark it, it up. Does. It does. It does. And, and also, I mean, as they get older, they are figuring out who they are mm-hmm. and, and want to know more. So they will ask more. And, and they will remember the times where you did something that was related to your mm-hmm background or culture and and they'll ask about it or yeah. I, I mean for me it's it's it, not separated but 
because of the distance. My whole family is all in South Africa, mm-hmm. and uh, we are here with uh, my husband's family, who are all Syrian, and so. But I'm I'm still so connected with my family, my sister and aunts and uncles and everybody that's back home mm-hmm. that I like. I'm constantly talking to them always, and my kids are all in touch with all of them, and so it's easy to just and then also just the experience. I mean, as I said before, there'll always be South Africa and and all of this with my kids and their South African background going to South Africa, being with the family, even if it was just for three weeks, mm-hmm. when they came back, they had, it was like it filled up their cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so nice. they had that experience. They they were around the family, they heard the language, they saw the places, they had that experience. And, mm-hmm. and so it reinforces it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, sometimes... Uh, if if it does feel like you're leaning a lot more to the Assyrian, it is always easier to reconnect with uh, the South African just because there is no Assyria to go back to, mm-hmm. and and I like oh, yeah. not not is no Assyria to, but it's it's that much harder yeah. to reconnect with yeah. with the land, so to say. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting point. Atsushi, I'm curious about your experience because I think yours is a little unique in the sense that you've also been an integral part of the Assyrian community here. I mean, you've held a a position or maybe multiple positions, leadership positions within the Church of the East here in Hamilton. So you've like been not just with an Assyrian partner, but like have had a role where you see the community frequently and they're they see you frequently. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what that experience has been like for you. I think the experience-wise, I'm not a CDM, but I am part of the CEDA church. So mm-hmm. I do the you know, account mm-hmm. accounting. For, I'm an accountant, so I'm doing accounting for the church. And I also uh, volunteer at another CDM organization as well. So but I'm not a CDM, but I, you know, they always welcome me and as a part of the group. And so... I haven't had any challenge. Actually, I'm enjoying being part of the, you know, not just the culture, but it just, it's a, you know, organization, be part of the group to share this or keep continue the city and heritage and cultures. Mm-hmm. That's important to me as well, because that's something that we can, you know, leave to my kids as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to Japan. It's easier. Just go to Japan. You enjoy the Japanese yeah, culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But city and things, we have to keep it. Uh, yeah. So that, mm-hmm. that's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So church, I was a bit surprised too because you know, when you go to church, everybody speaks Assyrian. I have no idea. When you go to church in you know, an hour and a half mass, I have no idea. I might understand one or two words, but it's nice to be you know, part of the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the group. Nick, Dylan, I'm curious on your experiences in the larger Assyrian community. Has there ever been like a looking twice or like shocked from knowing your partner and that they decided to not necessarily did that mm-hmm. have any effect did anybody care i'm curious i feel like i've never personally had anybody say anything against me i'm sure there's some people that are like oh they're you know mm-hmm. the more traditional people that think that you shouldn't marry outside mm-hmm. of the, the um mm-hmm. outside of the culture mm-hmm. but everybody that i've come across throughout the last god how many years it's been really welcoming and really nice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really had anything. Mm-hmm. 
for me, I mean, I'm not naive enough to realize that our wedding wasn't as big as it probably would have been if <laughs> my wife had married an Assyrian and that there were probably people who didn't come as a result. People I've likely never met or never will meet, so it doesn't really bother me. I did have one incident where I was at a wedding wearing the Jilat Kumala. Yeah. And, you know, if I have that on and my beard, I kind of blend in pretty yeah. well, except <laughs> that I'm not great at dancing. <laughs> it's very clear that I'm not a Syrian. That's uh, as I try to blend in. And I did have an older gentleman, when I was done at the bar, come up to me. And I didn't know who he was. And he asked me if I was a Syrian. I said, no. He's And he's like, I knew it. Oh, like, he was watching wait, why, me the whole though? time. Aww. I think just because of the way I was dancing, like... <laughs> So it makes you realize that people... Hey, there's a lot of Assyrians that don't know how to dance either. Exactly. Very true. They just sit there, right? Yeah. So at least I'm out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it makes you realize that people are watching, right? Mm-hmm. Like no matter what people... I mean, it's human nature. We're all observant. We're all very yeah, curious. Yeah. And I, I want to say that he was actually a very impressed. Mm-hmm. It was not in a negative way. He was yeah. like, that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, so you do realize that you are being watched and yeah, perhaps being judged. But I think the people who you who really matter in your life, they're the ones that their opinion mm-hmm. counts. Mm-hmm. Good point. I have gotten like comments before, like from just older Assyrians being like, Oh, but you've been part of the family so long, you don't know Assyrian yet? Mm-hmm. Like you need to speak Assyrian. <laughs> you need to speak Sudith. And I was like, But he doesn't know Spanish yet, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. You know, you do get like you pick up on the words and like you can and Isha's mom always says to me, like, you listen as if you're understanding everything that's going on. And to be honest, like, I feel like I am understanding what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to communicate back in a different language. But there's so many other ways that you pick up on communication, like the body language. I'm not going to say tone because Assyrians all speak. <laughs> like, there's so many times that I'm like, everyone needs to calm down <laughs> and not yes, scream. Yes, that's a common thing. <laughs> They are very excitable. Yes. Very passionate, (laughs) you could say. What's your favorite Assyrian food? Budak. Budak? Yeah, I love it. All of it. And it could could be an Assyrian dish or can it be a dish from like the country where your partner is from? So I, I, I mean, I don't know. I like all Assyrian, most Assyrian, most Assyrian foods. (laughs) Um, Kuba Madeira. And And describe to listeners what is Kuba Madeira. Good grief. Um, <laughs> well, because there's different kind of kobas. Okay, so so the the koba that's cooked in the in the yogurt. In mm, the okay. Uh, the uh, only koba that I have not had yet. <gasps> uh, yeah. It's my absolute favorite. Uh, my I mother-in-law. I, I know. I'm, I'm jealous. sure everybody's I'm gonna jealous. say that they. But my mother-in-law is like an amazing cook, and she. It's one of my favorite things. Ever she makes it and phones me just like I made it for you. <laughs> um, but and then the Dalma Mestatuma. Yeah. That one right there. Smacks all day yeah. every day. Um I would say Dolma is pretty high up there. Yeah. Uh Jajik. Mm. Big fan of Jajik. I don't know what that is. Jajik is like a yogurt mix with do you have it usually with dill? With the dill, 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 dill like cucumber. Garlic. cucumber. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm not a big fan of messed up, like okay. just in general in yogurt. There's a lot of yogurt Me based too. dishes, mm-hmm. and I I don't like sour, t- like any sour mm-hmm. tastes. I'm more of like so no sour dolma. Uh, but I love dolma. Oh, okay, I have to say. It, but you know, like when I started with Isho and he would have me over for dinner, I was very hesitant. 
But it's like, it becomes one of your favorite things after, like, his mom calls us every time she's uh, making dolma. Anything with lamb in it, she's calling us. (laughs) For me, I love holidays because uh, my mother-in-law makes dohua. Dohua. I love that. Obviously love, I love sour. So (laughs) I love sour uh, dolma um, and sumac seasoning on everything. Uh, I use it on my own food, actually. <laughs> and then, actually, before I met Romy, I I learned how to make bamya, a Syrian style, from a book that I got as a gift. It was a political science book about cuisines from other parts of the world, and that was wow. the first. The first chapter was bamya with lamb. Oh, and uh, so I remember when I met Romy's parents. I told them I could make it. They're very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Five points for you. Yeah. <laughs> Some Japanese are anything to do with rutsa. Mm. Yeah. And shorwa and rutsa, that's the best food. <laughs> Many different kinds of shorwa. Sauce. Yeah. And dessert is martuha. I love martuha. Martuha. Yeah, it's different kind of martuha, right? So. Martuha is... Uh, it's butter and flour. Butter right? and flour, yeah. That's what's in kade. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if any of you have had kade, kade is like a bread kind of pastry, mm-hmm. but in the middle is that martuha. Yeah. yeah. Which is butter and flour. It's it's yeah. rich in fat, but very good. Very good with tea. From your own observation, what's something common you'll find in an Assyrian household? Shrines. Yeah, shrines. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> shrines. Yeah. And bleach. Bleach. bleach yeah. <laughs> the Assyrian flag. The Assyrian flag. Simawa. Simawa. Yeah. Tea. Rosary. Rosary. Oh, the. That calendar that tells you when you can't eat meat. Oh, the Soma. When it's Soma. Always one of those. (laughs) What's a tradition you've fully adopted and love and one that has taken you some time to get used to? I can go. So I mentioned before the Jilat Kumala. I love when we're encouraged to wear that to weddings. I feel like I'm more embraced when I wear it. And I feel like it has an extra hop to my step when I'm Mm. dancing. And I love doing the entrance as well at the wedding. The one that I haven't gotten used to and never will is the uh, mourning period that Assyrians have when someone passes away. Mm-hmm. It can often feel a little too long mm-hmm. and detrimental to the rest Here. of your life and moving on. That's right, because Assyrians have a 40-day... Um, sometimes it's a sometimes year. Sometimes it's a year. For someone that's very yeah. close and usually wear black. Yeah, and it's very You morose. don't go to any... Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different way, and I know a lot of religious cultures are like that, but it can often feel almost punitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's so sad. When, when someone passes away, it feels like the sadness is doubled or tripled when the family gets together, and I believe, like, the women in the family gather, and they sort of, like, in my experience at my Assyrian funerals, when you go to the family's home and you have everyone coming through with their condolences a lot of the women the older women in the family will gather together cry and it's sort of like a not like a chant but like a sing-song way of mourning where they'll say things about the person who's passed it's very very sad it feels like mm-hmm. it it definitely impacts the family's mental health during that time. Is there a tradition you fully adopted? Oh, the Assyrian... Well, the way it's been described to me is as Assyrian Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So we all gather together that day and we have a big meal. And it's 
been described to me as like the Assyrian Thanksgiving. Yeah, there was like a, a period of three days of fasting. Oh. Yeah. And then on the last day was like the, the like Assyrian Thanksgiving. Dylan, can you do me a favor? And there's two calendars on the wall. Two if you calendars. can pull the back one. Thursday of Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Okay, so it's three days of the rogation of the Ninevites, which is the story of Jonah and the whale. Okay. And it's the day after that that Assyrians have that's called Thursday of yeah. Thanksgiving. We haven't fully adopted it, obviously, because I don't even know what day it is, but it's something yeah, that... That's a thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I know about the rogation of the Ninevites, but I didn't know that this is... Yeah. Like, so, so you... Isha's mom has us over every year, and she makes, like, a massive feast, mm. and it's something that I hope to be able to start taking a bigger role in. Actually, I've been hoping that Isha's mom, like, my, my mother-in-law would call me because I love a lot of Assyrian food, and I want to make sure that I can make it mm -hmm. because, you know, our... In-laws, we can't be depending on them to make us all of the... <laughs> although she I would agree. do it 100%, yeah. Yeah. and I could have it in my freezer anytime I want, but I'd like to be able to take part in that and show my kids as well. Mm -hmm. It's hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's labor-intensive. Oh, yeah. it is. It's a labor of love. Have you ever made dolma? Yeah. yeah. It's a labor of love. Yeah. But it's the whole my mother-in-law comes yeah. over, and she sits, and, and she's like, let's do this. And she sits, and it's like, when she makes it, it takes out only 20 minutes, I and know. she's done. I sat there for like four hours, and I <laughs> cramped my hands. <laughs> Rolling these things. It's like, I want to die. And then it gets inhaled, and then just yeah. like eat it in like three minutes flat. All of that work and it's yeah. gone. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, as I said before, we we're pretty easygoing, and we we don't really. There's nothing cultural that we really do at home. But my favorite is the weddings. Mm. Yes, yeah. the weddings. I love the weddings and. And all of it, like nothing. The, all of it, like from coming, the bringing out the bride, and and um, when she leaves her house, and the clothes, and the music, and the dancing, and the yalchiate, and bringing them in, and 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 just all of that. It's it's just it's so vibrant and. It's just so beautiful and happy, and yeah, it just it, like, and and it's so it's so easy to be caught up in it, even if you like the first time you go and you see it. Yes, it may be a little bit wow, what is this? But <laughs> you get sucked up into it and uh -huh. just become a part of it. That's my favorite part of Assyrian culture. And yes, as costly as it is to be going to so many weddings, um, <laughs> it is uh, one of the things that I really love about the Assyrian culture. And I don't know, I haven't, with obviously our own kids haven't been there yet, and we haven't had a lot of it, um, so do miss it, but um, I don't know. What there is that I haven't gotten used to, mm. but I don't do any of the, I don't do any of the fasting, mm. all of that. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's something. It's like, oh, oh yeah, you're gonna let's try it. Yeah, yeah I don't. <laughs> I don't the time last a couple of hours. Oh, you know, I cannot. <laughs> so a lot of it's like food. So mm. like, because um, I grew up growing up Dutch, we'd tea all the time. 
tea is like a staple of the country. Mm-hmm. So when I first started having it with cardamom, that was kind of like with hail. It was a bit of a shock. But I've kind of really like, I don't really drink tea without it now. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like the one that I've embraced. The one that I don't necessarily get is there's like this insane push for having the cleanest possible dishes in house. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, I'll Only use my dishwasher, yeah. but I know people that they won't even use the dishwasher. Like, they refuse. They or they'll use it. it. <laughs> it's a drying rack. Yeah. And that, that, like, that, I never really processed that one. I never really kind of understood that. Yeah. Um, You're really good at the Assyrian call. Oh, yeah, the Kalkalta. That would probably be loud on that. You're better than most Assyrians. That would be loud on that. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, my father in law, he went to. Where did he even go? He came back, he brought me a Zurna. Yeah. So I have cool. a Zurna now. Oh. Although, one of the hardest instruments to learn how to play. And I understand why they pay people, like, a lot of money to do this at weddings. <laughs> the dahola is much easier. Yeah. But um, you've played the Zurna, right? At, like, family events? Oh, yeah. 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 And then my father in law comes over and I'll stick a $20 bill on my forehead. <laughs> So yeah, like that—that's one one other thing that I never really got used to was the Zerna. It's just so loud. But um, no, there's not really too much that really caught me off guard. Nice. Um, I think it's a soma fasting because mm. uh, that all... you've adopted or that it's that you've gotten used to. Well, my mother in law will do half a year for fasting. Yeah. I don't know. She does everything for fasting, but we wow. can't do it. But we will pick and you know choose that what's important to us. But still. I'm not growing up doing you know, fasting, so something yeah. that I'm not used to it, but yeah. it's important. So, yeah. um, I want to quickly talk about names. It was something that I was thinking about right before we gathered, because for those of you who have families, talk to me about whether it was has been intentional or not in terms of choosing a name for your children. I have five kids, and so the deal was the first one, my wife would decide is the name. Second one. I get to decide, you know, Japanese name. And the next one's going to be Syrian, but that rule will change after the third one. So the only second one has a Japanese name as a first name, but the other was both, you know, Kitsa have both Japanese name and a Syrian name. So the oldest one is Shimsha. Uh, obviously her name is Sun, and then Japanese name is Sakura. So the second one's Nami. It means wave in Japanese. But the, uh, the Syrian name is uh, Naramsin, and the third one is uh, Indeo. Uh, Japanese name is Taka. The Syrian fourth one is uh, Ninurta. And the Japanese name is Kintaro. The fifth one is uh, Sharkin. And the Japanese name is uh, Hikaru. So. Oh, so they both have a, they have a Syrian and a, a Japanese name. Yes. So that was, uh, uh, I guess, a condition for my wife that they have to have a Syrian name. That's the only way that they can keep uh, name. And something additional to that, what's unique is their last name too. It's it's both of your last names. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And was that something that was important to you both, or how how did you both come to that decision? It was important to my wife because in Japan, the custom to take the husband's name, mm-hmm. but I think it's for her. Is she was she's grown up as you know, that, so she wants to keep her name, and I, I wasn't mine. So, both mm-hmm. kids just took the both side of the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that something that in the Latin culture is automatic. Mm-hmm. You take your father's last name and your mother's last name as well. So, like, my name is Celia Flores Alvarado. Most people know me as Celia Flores because if you ask me what my last name is, I'll say Flores. But officially, it's Flores Alvarado. Everyone takes 
their fathers and their mothers. And it was very important uh, to my partner that they have just Sheba as the last name so that people knew they were Assyrian. Mm -hmm. So when we had our two children, we wanted to make sure that it was names that would be easy for both of our families to pronounce at least. So uh, we named them Christian and Isaac. Uh, and I feel like Christian is sort of pulls more towards uh, the Latin side and Isaac pulls more towards the Assyrian side or the Middle Eastern side. Uh, so that's what we did. And as they come, it's just got to be a name that we both love and that both families can say easily because... <laughs> My first nephew's <laughs> name is Brayden, and my mom says it Brayden with her accent, and my dad says Brayden. <laughs> so I, it was important to me that they'd be able to say the names, and my in-laws have bits of accents too, so I think it's just, that's that's our rule, but it's nice when we can pull on both cultures in the names, mm -hmm. for sure. So um, we also had, all our kids have two names. And he, he was goofy about it when we first and pulled out all of the most extravagant Assyrian names. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, we had, and, but we had decided that we did want to name our kids Christian name and a, an Assyrian name. My only condition with the Assyrian names was that it was somewhat unique, mm -hmm. um, not the everyday I won't say them because I'm not going to offend anybody. <laughs> we had, because we asked around about names and someone had said to us, you know, you should name your kids the, the more common names so that it becomes, it's like the more there are mm. of them, mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah. You know, anyway, it's like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so we named our kids their first name and then their second name would be the Assyrian one. Mm. Because and then their last name is their last name is is, is is Uash. Yeah. And so yeah, that was that was the rule because he was being outrageous. It's like fine, you can have outrageous, <laughs> and you can sit second. <laughs> <laughs> but we we I like our kids' names. Our eldest is Michaela Walita, Marian Atalia, uh, Gabriel Sharokin, Lucian Ramil, and Clarice Larsa. Wow, those are all so nice. Yeah. It really sounds so, nice to you. I didn't know their middle names. Those are all yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so they, yeah, that was, I, I mean, it's just short stories. Um, we we met when I was expecting, and we had asked everybody for names, and I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we just by chance met um we were in Washington, D.C., and Michael had just done a, um, a press conference. And I, I would go and help him out when he was doing that. He didn't have a secretary. <laughs> so I was like, secretary. And um, this woman came up at the end of it, and she's like, she introduced herself to him, saying, oh, you're, you're Syrian, and you're doing this for Syrians. And, and her name was Walita. Uh, Juanita Cannon uh, we became really really close friends but as I walked away from that I was like Michael that's the name oh, cool. and nice. he's like wait what I go that is gonna be a name 
Somewhere along the line, if we are wrong, <laughs> she will be Walita. And we didn't know. He was like, okay, fine. We need to find out what it means. Because she had walked away at this time and carried it on about our day. And we found that it means duty. Mm-hmm. Duty, um, like responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then, and he's like, it's going to be weird. We don't know this woman. How can we name our kid after her? I was like, I don't care. I'm not naming my kid That's after her. I just like her name. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I contacted her and was like, hey, so I really like your name and I'm just giving you a heads up. If you're going to be around, I'm going to name my kid this if we have a girl. Sure enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it was it was and and our kids know their names and they're very proud of their Assyrian names and 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 it connects them to the Assyrianism. Mm-hmm. So for us that was important and it is for our kids too. They love it. It's mm-hmm. it's is a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Dylan, you are. S- a soon-to-be father mm-hmm. this year. And as I understand it, you and Romy have decided to name your child an Assyrian name. Tell me, you know, tell me a little bit about that. And, and was there importance to that for you? And how did that, you know, come to be? Yeah, it's it's been, it's been a bit of a challenge just because especially having a boy and a lot of the male names are a bit more difficult to pronounce, I think, than mm-hmm. the female names. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are kings or biblical. And we wanted something a little bit more unique. Definitely Assyrian, for sure. Part of the reason is, so, like you, I have a hyphenated last name from both of my parents. And Romy adopted that partly because I know the surname in Assyrian is a little unconventional compared to other cultures in mm-hmm. terms of who gets what, right? Mm-hmm. For example, Romy's parents have different surnames from each other mm-hmm. and from their kids. Mm-hmm. So her her maiden name didn't have the same significance as it would for maybe someone else. So she didn't mind losing that. So she adopted my surname on the condition that they have an Assyrian first name, mm-hmm. which I was totally on board with because I love the idea of having a unique name, particularly in Canada, something that's deeply meaningful and historic. But <laughs> when I was here last, uh, your brother-in-law was helping me with the book and we went through a thousand names, and I think we came up with three that we could agree on, <laughs> because they're they're very uh, because of the, the the lengthy last name. I didn't want it to be too wordy, yeah, too yeah. not too many syllables, right? Yeah. So we finally came on one, and still surprised, but yes, it yes. was a bit arduous. <laughs> nice. As we're starting to close off, my question to you all is: Are there any areas where you feel the Assyrian community could do better when it comes to? Welcoming people who aren't Assyrian? My personal experience. Uh, I don't think there is anything really to it. It's just people have always been very accepting, uh, whether it's at the society parties or at weddings, people's homes, the church. And, and I'm sure I'm not, I'm sure there are people that do have. But those normally tend to either keep it to themselves or mm-hmm. they're not important. Mm-hmm. And they don't impact my life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to take it to heart and blame Assyrians for one person yeah. or the odd few that will stand out. So. Mm-hmm. I think that just for me, just in the older generations, it's just to realize that a person who is not a Syrian and coming into a relationship with an Assyrian is just that 
just to realize that they're coming in with their own identity as well. That's important to anyone just being an individual. It is so welcoming to say like you're a Syrian now. It's so nice to feel accepted in that way. But just to realize they're individuals as well and just haven't grown up with the things that are sort of automatic for Assyrians. Like when two Assyrians get together, things are automatic. They know sort of like the order of how things go or are supposed to go for them. And just realizing that someone who isn't, who hasn't grown in the Assyrian culture doesn't know that offhand. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be things that are hard to take on. So just just to realize everyone's an individual. Mm-hmm. I think the stigma about dating, like I think there's a lot of people, I could be wrong, but I think there's a lot of people that rush into marriage not knowing who their partner is until it's too late. And if the culture was a bit more accepting of, you know, dating before mm-hmm. you do a Mishmetha or get married, I think Good that'd point. be... Yeah. It's very yeah. healthy. Because, yeah. like, people do it all the time, but they have to do it secretly. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that one person that has, like, a restaurant they go to that's <laughs> nowhere near any other Assyrians so that they can have <laughs> yeah. dinner with their, you know, their significant others. So I think that's one thing mm-hmm. um, that I kind of experienced, right? Like we were under the radar for a while until we had our Mishmetha and then, mm-hmm. and then it was all okay. But it's like, you know, if you can get rid of that stigma, mm-hmm. I think that'd be healthier. Mm-hmm. I think um, accepting of having multiple identities, kind of like Lindy was saying before, there's no half. Mm-hmm. You're full as a human being. You're capable of having multiple identities at one time, right? Mm-hmm. You can be a Syrian and Canadian. Mm-hmm. They're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. But similarly, you can be a Portuguese, a Syrian, and be fully both. So there's no qualifier. You're not less. Mm-hmm. You're not more. You're not better. You're not worse. Mm-hmm. So um, like that, I think that mindset, that sort of nationalism, can have a sort of a bad side too, where it's maybe a bit exclusionary. So maybe avoiding that kind of rhetoric. Um, where you're not fully Assyrian, and this obsession with like blood purity and stuff, I think that needs to go away. Mm-hmm. And Sushi, anything that you'd like to add with that question? No, I think I'm the same too. I think just they're welcoming people, but uh, as long as you accept, you know, you're part of the Assyrian community, and I don't think there's an issue. But if you don't want to accept that, I think it might be challenging because. Mm-hmm. It is important for them to be, you know, part of the society and the community. So I think mm. that's the part. Uh, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, as we close off, last question: What is one piece of advice that you'd offer to somebody who isn't a Syrian but who is seriously dating or engaged to an Syrian? <laughs> They're listening to this. They, you know, full attention, want to know everything. What's that one piece of advice or something that you'd let them know either the inside scoop or like (laughs) (laughs) something that they should know or be aware of. I think you have to, I suppose this is just in general, remember that when you are with someone, you know why you're with that person and why you want to be with that person Mm -hmm. forever. And you kind of have to remember that even if they are, um, Syrian is a big part of their life. That's who they are. And be open to mm-hmm. um, that part of their identity because it is part of the person that you want to be with. Mm-hmm. So just being open to that. And it's not as daunting as all of that. <laughs> so. I think I two other ways that I can think about is if you have time, just a volunteer and one of the, you know, there are many Assyrian organizations. 
just what I'm getting is really good to understand the culture because that's where you meet so many Syrians and you know where they come from. So that's a really good way to get into understanding cultures and mm-hmm. and I think it's it's really important uh, in, in the long run too. Mm-hmm. And then two. I think it's learned how to do hike, so that way. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that the way you can emerge into you know, the group easily, so just not how to shake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the big one is like try to learn like some phrases, words and phrases. It's really easy to impress the older generation when you can drop, you know, the chiwit. Or uh, somebody makes a great meal, you're like, Eshedidach. So I think those are like good icebreakers that can yeah. really help the situation. Mm-hmm. And just prepare for the smell of pacha soup. That is, <laughs> I had a bad hangover one day, on and I was parked time. next to it. It was not a great time. But don't be afraid. Like you're saying, yeah. like you know, we've all kind of had the same experience where they're really accepting and welcoming into the culture, and you shouldn't have any fear. But just know, like, there's a strong cultural identity. So if you're like yeah. me and you've, you know, you're a blank slate, it's totally easy. Yeah. But if you've got a really strong personal identity with your culture. Um, that that might be a point of friction between between you two. Yeah, but it's also totally doable. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yes, it's mm-hmm. it's it's about compromise yeah. and finding you know, a comfy, cozy in between mm-hmm. that works with with both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so. the biggest thing I would say is just be open to compromise when you have, like you were saying, like a a very pronounced cultural identity. I guess you would say. Just be ready to compromise and know that it's you and your partner. There is a lot of like cultural pressure, but I mean, everyone ends up being happy. I can say that when you're building your life within a Syrian and you're open to compromise, you can have the best of both worlds. It doesn't need to be one thing like he was saying. Um. Don't don't take it personally if your significant other doesn't introduce you to their family right away. <laughs> Understand that it takes time and there needs to be some convincing going on, but that it's worth it's worth the up and downs. And to those who want to exclude you for whatever reason or make you feel different, kill them with kindness because eventually you'll win them over. And to those who embrace you fully, keep them even closer because they become your family. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. wonderful way to end it. Well, thank you all so much for your time and for sharing uh, your experiences and perspectives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast and share this out to three people who would benefit from listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next week.